All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talky and definitely very touchy-feely version of my book, Photo Work, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. I, as I sit here today, remain Sasha Wolf, uh, here with my friend and producer, Michael Chauvin-Dalton. Hello, Michael. Hi, Sasha. And yes, I will... I will stay uh, Michael Chauvin Dalton for now. At least for the remainder of the recording of this intro. And then you can be whoever you want. I release you to be whoever you would like to be. You never know when you might have to flee. Listen, my my bug out (laughs) bag is packed. I'm ready. That's right. (laughs) Never did I think I would become a a prepper, but I'm moving moving in that direction. Oh, no. I'm I'm thinking camper. I'm thinking all kinds of things. Yeah, I've got my uh, I've got my filtration system. I've got my headlamps. I have <laughs> first aid. I have, what else do I have? Um, wait, I have some really good stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have uh, fire starters. I have, Oh, wow. Yeah. I stopped short of the like portable inflatable raft to get across the Hudson river, but right. um, only because it was so expensive. Well, you're, you're doing a little rehearsal right now, aren't you up in Woodstock? Yes, I am. I'm up in Woodstock. I'm hiding. <laughs> uh, my aunt and uncle live here full time and I spend a lot of time up here and uh, I had spent about four months straight in the city during the pandemic, sort of looking after my parents who are quite old. So I hope that doesn't, that's not an offensive way of saying elderly, elderly, yeah. quite old, very old. <laughs> and they needed help, but they now have someone sort of back in the home helping them. And so I was, I've been released. So I came up okay. here and it's been uh, really fantastic to be here. So before I forget, I should mention that we are both having some audio issues with the uh, recording of this introduction. Uh, the audio quality might not be what everyone has grown used to, but uh, you're in a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> you're in Woodstock. And of course, um, the audio quality isn't the same as if you were recording at home. And I have people grinding trees in my uh, neighborhood from that big storm that we had. Yeah, that storm was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my office with a studio, which is on the third floor, you know, in the attic, was moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, I can't remember the name of the hurricane. It had a, yeah, anyway. It, um, it was, was it a, is Sayaway? Yeah, that's why I can't remember it, because yeah, you, you um, can't pronounce it. Um, I just butchered it. Right. <laughs> yes. I, you notice I didn't even try. I just, <laughs> 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 it was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and you walked right into my trap. I did. I um, fell right in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that wound up on the East Coast really doing an incredible amount of damage. But yeah, um, I guess over 2 million people without power, et cetera. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then you have a, a well being dug? Yeah, something? there's a, a well being dug on the property right next to my aunt and uncle's house. I don't, don't know if it's going to, we're going to be able to hear it. Okay. But it, we might. We might. 
country okay, living, well, anyway. Yeah, so that takes care of what people might be hearing. <laughs> yeah. So we have a good episode. To episode three is a conversation that I have with the photographer Eleanor Carucci. Um, and I, yeah. I was just fantastic to talk to her. And I, I really just thrilled with the with the conversation. So I hope... You all, you all out there in podcast land, enjoy it. Yeah, it's a it's a really good one, and you know now you have uh, three episodes under your belt, so to speak. Uh, how do you think yes. it's been going? How's the experience been? It's been really fun. I mean, you know, you know this because you do a lot of the. I mean, you have your own podcast, working on my podcast. It's a lot of work. I mean, there's definitely we won't. I won't get into sort of the nitty gritty, but like anything that one attempts to do well. There's, you know, preparation. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm talking to people thus far that I have relationships with. And so I think that that, you know, certainly makes it a lot easier because I just know all these things about them. I don't have to do research. You know, it's interesting you say that I I actually find pluses and minuses and and maybe you'll experience this, this a little bit, too, when you start speaking to guests who are maybe brand new to you or less familiar to you. But Sometimes the the person you don't know is also kind of freeing too, because you're not expecting, uh, or you don't have any sort of a, a preconceived idea of what what they might say or, or respond. And that's interesting in its own way and revealing in its own way. And sometimes the people you speak to more, you you have a a little bit of um an understanding of who you are to that person. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, yeah. Yeah. with the new person you. You, you also learn things about yourself that you share in the conversation. Well, I definitely, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, I've thought about what you just said a lot. And, you know, I mean, I, I certainly try, I've tried in the conversations I've had with Brian, Scoopmott, Chris Graves, and, and now Eleanor to sort of not just ask them questions I know the answers to. So I've tried to keep keep things sort of fresh for me as well that way. But yeah, there's no question that I've, I've thought it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be really interesting, yes, to start talking to people I don't know, I have to admit, I feel a little nervous about it. Because, you know, I, I hope that I feel comfortable being, you know, pushy and pushing, <laughs> That's right. you know, pushing people <laughs> to be honest and asking sort of, more intimate questions of, of people I don't know. I mean, look, I'm going to make myself do it. I, you know, that's the whole yeah. point of this podcast. I mean, the point of the podcast is to have more intimate conversations. So if I can't manage that with people that I don't know, then there's, there's no point in doing this. And, and, you know, obviously I want to be, well, not obviously, but I want to be talking to people for the first time as well. I don't want the podcast to just be Sasha's friends. So, yeah. you know, so I started to make a list of who those people be. I think the next couple episodes will continue to be people I have relationships with. I, I think part of that is just because I'm, I'm learning and I'm trying to get, you know, more comfortable doing this. And so I'd rather practice on, on my friends than, you know, someone I don't know, but. And, and you're right. I, I feel like even with your friends, there have been some people out of their comfort zones in responses. Cause you do ask a, questions that that go to you know how how you exist in this art world and it could be insulting to some yeah you know. no definitely i'm i'm really working on on those lists and i'm i'm really looking forward to it because i do think it's going to be challenging for me i mean i'm not exactly a shrinking violet but you know <laughs> it's it's also 
you know, it's hard to start probing and digging into, you know, the soul of someone you barely know. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a there, you know, there are people who are just so brilliant at, at doing that. I mean, I think we know who those people, you know, someone like Terry Gross on oh, Fresh right, Air. Right. I mean, there's there are people who are just, you know, just incredible. But yeah, that's the that's sort of how I'm feeling about everything. But thus far, I feel really I feel really pleased and I'm, I feel really grateful to the three people I've talked to and how giving they've been. I mean, I feel grateful. Well, th- this conversation in particular, I think, is is quite personal and a little uncomfortable at some points and talking about your experience where you you have to let things go and you have to deal and, and live with regret and, you know, also about being a woman in the arts Uh, and how people perceive you and the pressures you might put on yourself in order to keep working, in order to get jobs, right? There are some really good moments in this episode, really honest moments. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Eleanor lives her life um, so publicly. I mean, that's the nature of the sort of type of work she makes, that sort of diaristic. I mean, Eleanor is a diaristic photographer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what, what what she photographs, she photographs her family, herself and her family. And so she's used to sort of putting it all out there. And um, so it was not a surprise to me that she was willing to be so candid in our conversation. But anyway, I, I'm still just super appreciative for her generosity. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, well, you and I could gab on, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not why people are here. <laughs> so... I would just like to say one thing to people who are listening. Um, if you could remember to, if you like the show, give us a rating. Um, is, I'm sorry if that sounds really tacky, but I think it's helpful. So we'd really it appreciate it. It is very it. helpful, especially mm-hmm. on places like uh, iTunes and Spotify. If you can rate and review uh, hopefully positively. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just don't do it if it's not positive. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, it just helps a lot. It, uh, you know, it, it moves you up the list. It gets you a little more notice. Yeah. I'll just brag a little and say we've had, you know, we've really shot up in terms of the amount of listens. So hundreds and hundreds of you are listening to it, which we we're really grateful for. And I think we have eight reviews. So we need to get that. Um, we need to get those <laughs> reviews up a bit. Just click right. the stars. It's not that hard. Um, That's right. You don't even have to type anything. No, you don't have to type anything. <laughs> Just click the stars. <laughs> click all five. All right. Anyway, right. thanks so much, everyone, for continuing to listen. And I hope that um, we continue to create a show that's uh, worthy of your time. And um, Michael, Thank you once again for joining me and take it away. Oh, my pleasure. And here's your conversation with Eleanor Carucci. Hi, Eleanor, and thank you so much for um, agreeing to do this podcast with me. You're so brave. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm honored to be a part of your podcast and happy always to talk to you. Yeah, me too, you. So um, how have, maybe just tell me really briefly before I, I start um, quizzing you on your <laughs> deepest thoughts. How are you guys doing during um, this very difficult time? How's the family doing? You know, it's it's what it is right now. And I feel... It's almost like you can't complain if you're healthy, if you're, if you can manage to make a living, then you can't, you're like, I'm fine. There are 
and down days, but overall, uh, and I'm very optimistic. I'm one of those optimistic people, and I'm like, it's going to be okay. There's going to be a vaccine. Hope, believing myself, but sometimes doubting my own. You know, telling the kids, you always want to keep optimistic, but. We're, we're okay. I just miss my parents. They're in Israel. They couldn't come. I couldn't go there. That's And you, that's you usually spend most of the, or at least a big part of the summer in Israel. Right, right. And last summer, I took a summer off because we wanted to do something else. We always take all our budget and do the Israel trip and all the time, all the off time. So now, like a good Jew, I feel guilty about not going right. last year, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, I think the estrangement, you know, is obviously something that's so hard for so many people. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way you do. All of a sudden, you're like, why didn't I see that person more before, you know, right, as if you right. could possibly have any idea that this was going to happen. But I do think it puts a lot of things, you know, in perspective. I mean, I know for me that you know, I've been thinking a lot about just what am I doing with my life? And, you know, I look, I'm someone who always sort of questions that, but there's no question that I'm doing it more now. I mean, it's just pushing all these sort of existential buttons. And I think that probably is happening more for people who are older. Right. You know, I'm not a kid anymore. Uh, I'm despite I the fact that I pretend to be one, but um, <laughs> so well, let's dive into sort of. There's an ambulance going by, so I apologize to um, no, just to, it, it are, makes it relevant. We are both yeah, we are in New York yeah. City under a pandemic, yeah. so the ambulance yeah. is a part of our podcast now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so one thing that you know, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna you know, there's certain things that I want to ask you about that I may know the answer to, etc., but. You know, there's one thing that I think I've heard you talk about before, but I can't quite remember, and I was really curious, which is not when you started to photograph, because I think I do know when you start to photograph, but why. I, I don't remember, like, what drew you to picking up a camera. So if you could sort of maybe talk about that a little. I'm really interested. Boredom? <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, there, there, there's another reason why I stayed with a camera, why I became a photographer. But what drew me to photograph was just, I. it was the afternoon, I had nothing to do. I picked up my father's camera, walked around, walked into my mother's room and took a few pictures. So when I picked up the camera, I wasn't like... There is something that I want to envision. I was just like, I'm, I'm just like bored and I'm going to... I'm going to take the camera and do something. It's my father's. There's already film in there, black and white film. Then what happened later became, you know, the reason why I, I become a photographer. Uh, but the reason was just exploring, just trying. Did your dad take a lot of pictures or is it just sort of the ca everyone had a camera in their house and so you... Um, he did not a lot. He liked photography. Um, like many fathers, you know, when I'm talking to photographers, it's always the father, um, yeah, or most likely it's the father. So he, he had a camera, it was like manual, Canon, with a black and white film that he didn't develop himself. He wasn't too serious about it, Yeah. but I actually have a photograph that I found that I took of my mom when she was, I don't know, in the old house, she was maybe 23 or 25 
um, which is really interesting. So he was taking pictures. I remember seeing some of his pictures, but he wasn't too serious about it. Um, but he just did it every once in a while. So, so when you started taking pictures more seriously and, you know, then you, you studied photography in school in, um, was it in Tel Aviv? In Jerusalem. 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 Yeah, in Jerusalem. You know, one thing I, I'm always really curious about, and so I'm curious if you thought about this then and how you think about it now, which is, did you think about who your audience was when you started making pictures? And do you think about who your audience is now? I think about it. I mean, I didn't think about it then. I was 15 and I was, you know, just a teenager photographing my mom, trying to deal with who she was and her looks and her personality. So it came many years later. And while I was struggling with narrowing it down and, and defining it for, for my galleries, for my publishers, I eventually liberated myself with admitting that um, my audience is every person who, who has or ever had a mother. <laughs> and yeah. so my work is so much about who we are as human beings. And it's so, I'm trying to create work that is universal, that it's for, it's really, I'm just hoping that it's for everybody. It's for whoever, if you loved someone, if you had a mother, a father, a brother, if you feel you're my audience. You know, that, that's actually just sort of leads me into something that I was, you know, looking back through some of my favorite answers you gave for our book, for photo work, and for question four about if you have a style, you wrote, I have a style that's grown and developed over the years. It was mostly created intuitively at first, but then later on it developed when I recognized certain elements in my work that I loved and others that I wanted to get rid of. Right. That was your answer in, in its totality. But I was wondering if you could, you know, elaborate on that a bit. Yeah, the style is also a dangerous thing because it can pin you into a, you know, narrow place. So while I have a style, and I think the style is a lot about trying to create from the everyday, but to elevate it to some more dramatic, theatrical, the dramas of everyday life. Um, I'm using lights always. I can come very close up. But I think every once in a while, I feel it's important to... And we were working a lot together when I started to go outdoors and photograph the kids. Yep. And I didn't I have a style. I was like lost. You saw it. So I think yep. um, it's important to have a style, but the style has to serve the voice it has to serve the themes and it, it must change and develop some somewhat. So you you wouldn't you shouldn't I think hold on to the style so much. It's more to what you're trying to say and what you're trying to say changes over the years, who you are, what you feel, what your work is about changes. And so you have to let go. It's scary, but you have to sometimes let go of this this style you developed. So you know, I wasn't really thinking about this, but you just brought it up and it's so interesting. So I, I want to talk about it a little bit, which is you and I were working a lot together when you decided to start shooting outdoors before that none of your work had been 
um, made outside. It was all interior work, both literally and figuratively. And I know it was really difficult. How, How did you, can you talk a little bit about how you got through that and how long that took and how how you felt was how was it scary and and how you coped with that uh, it's always scary to make work you know whenever i'm teaching and my students sometimes talk about things i'm telling them i feel exactly the same it's not really changing so much um especially if you let yourself develop as an artist so i felt scary and looking at the first images i took the first weeks and months i was a I was, there was a reason to be scared because they were not good. Um, I didn't know what to do with the lights. Um, I still think my natural, my natural self is shooting indoors. Yeah. But I had to, I, I just had to do it. I had to do it for a while. And then a lot of mysterious things are happening. You know, it's not like, yeah, so I started using different lights. But over the time, I improved to tell you that I know exactly how it happened, I don't. A lot of it is developing new senses, new instincts and intuitions, learning to see where the sun is and this and that. And many things are hard to just describe. They just happen. But there is a process of looking at pictures and saying, you know what, I don't think this is successful and trying to figure out why it is you don't, you know, you don't just say, I don't think this is successful. You say, I don't think this is successful. Okay, why right. don't I think it's successful? And then identify those things and try and, you know, change that up or do something different. I mean, so I, I know a lot is mysterious, but there's also just a certain amount of like, you know, an- analyzing and, and that sort of discipline of, you know, I mean, I always say to people like, you're looking at a lot of work. You know, it's, it's really important when you don't like something to, to, don't just dismiss it. You have to figure out why don't you like right, it, right? right. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, it's like that with life in general, right? It's like, you know, it's really important if you feel anxious to figure out, right. don't just say I feel anxious, but what's making you anxious and et cetera. And but, I think um, it's important to know when something is not right for you and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. Maybe it's just not right for you. And when yeah. to insist on and with outside, it's true what you said. I had to figure out what light, the use of light. Um, I wanted to add lighting and what lights I can add in that, that helped me a lot. Or how can I use the, the existing light, the sunlight better um, and, and keep working on it. But it's, it's hard to sometimes know what's just not right for you and not where your abilities or your heart is in. Like me trying to yeah. shoot fashion for a while or beauty and, and, you know, saying at some point, this is not, this is not me. This is not right. I'm not talented enough in this area and to move away. Is that difficult or does that, I mean, I'm, my guess is and knowing you that, you know, that was probably harder for you when you were younger and that, you know, as you've gotten older, you're sort of more okay with knowing that there are, you know, limitations, that there are things you're really good at and things you're not good at. I mean, is that basically the case? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to meet the limits of who we are and talent and personality and relationship and creating art or whatever career takes us. It's hard, but then it's also, so, you know, 
it's it's and it happens over a few years it's not that you're because many times you try something new it takes a while before you're doing it well so you shouldn't judge yourself too quickly but after a few years it was painful um also you know you realize once you're saying no to a certain area in your profession you're giving up if it's money or fame or recognition right. or being represented by an agency and this and that but then it's also kind of comforting because you know this is no and this is no but this i really love and i am passionate about and i'm good at and so you give yourself the permission to go full energy on on what you know you should and could do well yeah i think that's i think that that's really true i mean i i know i feel that way that it's nice to be adventurous and it's nice to try a million different things but there is something comforting as you get older about you know, letting go of certain right. things and being okay with the fact that you're not going to be this or you're not going to be that. You're going to be who you are and you'll right. do the best you can at being who you are. I mean, I, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, there were, when I was a teenager, I was making a lot of pictures myself. I mean, that's just where I spent most of my time in school was in the darkroom. But I had this idea, I was a, really loved animals and I had worked on a farm in Vermont over a number of summers and I really, I had this idea that I was going to be a conservationist at one point, and that actually took a number of like conservation classes in high school over at the Museum of Natural History. And anyway, long story short, like I could barely pass, you know, algebra, chemistry. Like I'm a terrible. I have no aptitude whatsoever for the things <laughs> that, that I would have needed to to do that. And it's like. You know, I remember just that being really painful for me when I was younger. And it's like every year that goes by, you become a little bit more okay with the things that you are not going to be, the the versions of yourself you're not going to be. I mean, I find that there is ups and downs. It's not like it's I'm that there are days and that I'm like, should I have insisted more or should I stayed in Israel or should like all those decisions were taken I feel that as I get older, I have years or weeks or days where I feel fine with certain things and certain decisions. And then in the same week, it can completely change. Also, depending on what happens in, in my career, in the day, in my life, you know. So you do have some uh, big sort of regrets. I, I have to say, I don't know if I... I mean, we all have regrets, right? I mean, anyone who says that they're going through life with no regrets is a liar. Um, right. But, but I, what are... I'm curious what whatever you feel like you can share. I mean, look, I know you as someone who's incredibly tenacious. I mean, you know, the Eleanor I know is just... is really not in any way a fearful person is just really determined courageous i mean i don't know we can cut this out if you don't no no want me to even mention it but i mean i know you know you you and uh iran your husband had a, a difficult patch that i i think would i don't know that i know that many people who you know would have hung in and and not because anyone was a villain but it was a very difficult time and like you are just so, I think of you as being so strong that way and just so determined. And I don't, so I don't think of you as someone with regrets because you're just so, yeah, so brave, I think. First of all, thank you, Sash. 
now I can't say anything to to mess up with this image that you have of me. I like this. <laughs> I'm strong and brave. Let's leave it there and the podcast here. Um, I don't think it's a contradiction. I think you can be strong and determined and fragile and vulnerable. I think you can, you, you know, stand behind your decision, but then regret or keep on wondering what if and you know yeah. um and i think we all have those two sides in us yeah. and we just many times True. choose many times life brings us to so which eleanor am i going to be right now um but i have i have both and i think you you also you've seen both sides of me yeah are you would you say generally this is a question i've been asking people that i'm really interested in because I'm, I think about it a lot in my own life, but are, would you say that generally you feel proud of what you've done with your life? Um, I don't know if pride, I guess in some, some things I do, um, I tend to really admire people who give a lot like social workers, like yeah, me too. doctors, uh, nurses, people. And I know we talked about it about our own experiences being in the hospital but as much as i love photography there is nothing else i would want to do i love photography this is where my heart is i look at people sometimes and it can be just like really good parents it doesn't have to be i think the heroes we're admiring in our society are the wrong heroes so I am proud, but I do have a lot of admiration for people who are just devoting their lives to help other people. No, I, I, that's, I mean, I feel the same way. I, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. So let me just take a turn towards, back towards your, your work. I was thinking a lot about how whenever I, you know, whenever I'm doing portfolio reviews or I'm speaking to college students, either undergrad or grad, when people realize that I work with you, I mean, really, honestly, like, there's a lot of sort of like teenage screaming almost, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like as if like the Beatles playing Coming to America. Um, and, you know, there's no question that it's a, it's a female thing. Like you are sort of adored by young female photographers. Does... And which isn't to say that you're not also, you know, really loved and admired by male photographers, but, you know, there's something about the work you make, which I think is in some ways very feminine. And I mean, I'm sure you're aware of that. Do you ever, do you ever sort of think about, you know, just the fact that there aren't more young men who are sort of in that pool of Eleanor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> admirers or um i think about the young women and i work hard for them i mean i know you do you know, i really do sweet. i really do um and having a daughter who is already so involved in my career decisions and work not only as my muse even more so so i am not taking this following for granted and I'm working very hard to be worthy of it but also to bring into the work realities about being a woman um, and, and hopefully still keep them following. I think now such with midlife I might have an addition of followers that are middle-aged and older women 
Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm proud and working hard for 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 both age groups. Yeah. Speaking of you know getting older, I mean, what is it? What is it like to be getting older in front of the world because you know you're so often the subject of your work? Getting older, and I remember seeing Richard Avedon in. Uh, Charlie Rose interview. He was already in his 70s and he was so brutally honest. And he said, getting older is just terrible. I mean, he's <laughs> also older than me right now. And he was like, there is nothing good about it. Getting older, a lot, of, a lot of it is not great. I'm not here to romanticize it. There are some wonderful things about getting older and I'm not old, I'm middle-aged. So I have more to learn and to look forward to, quote unquote, I don't know. And I think photographing midlife in, in parts was a little more difficult. Um, it was really more difficult to look at certain images, to take them. So the body of work required a lot of like diving into pain and fears and, and health issues. And, you know, seeing my own uterus was a little traumatizing. But putting the work out there is, a, is more liberating. Okay, I'm middle-aged. It was not easy to publish it. it, was not easy to put this body of work out there in the world because for many people, uh, galleries or publishers, it didn't feel sellable or sexy or whatever. And here it is out there in the world. It gets a lot of positive reactions, mainly for women, but also from some men. And I can just be the middle age that I am. Here it is, you know, there is something liberating about it. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. I, also, it's sort of like you, you've been photographing yourself, you know, all along also. So it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, sometimes you see some actress pop up after, you know, they, they turn 40 and disappear. And this doesn't happen as much anymore, but it used to be like an actress would turn 40 and all of a sudden you, you wouldn't see her. And then they'd reappear like 15 or 20 years later was you know having had like so much plastic surgery feeling like that was what they had to do and the person would be like completely unrecognizable and you're like right. wait a second wait who is that i mean i won't even I, so many people just flew into my mind when i said that because i just remember like you know you'd just be so shocked um and i mean i think we should be shocked by our society because these women are doing what they have to do in order to keep working yeah, um, no, it's horrible. And when we, we like, you know, they're like actresses, like, I want to name names, not that they know me, but even Nicole Kidman, people like, she did Botox, she did this, she did fillers, but she is working. So yeah. we should look into ourselves and ask why do the women, when they reach 40 or 40-something, 40 have to do all that just to, I mean, I would put all the Botox in the world into my face if that would make me still being able to publish and, and make exhibitions, I would do it. Okay, I need to put Botox, go right in. I want to take pictures. I want to have assignments. I want to publish my work. So uh, it's, it's sad that a lot of professions, not even in the entertainment business, are so dependent on how you look. And I have to say that even the decision that we talked about when I started to stop dyeing my hair had an effect on some of the ways that people treated me. Yeah, I uh, know, absolutely. No, we are, we have a intractable problem here in the United States with this sort of superficial, I mean, it's really, it's heartbreaking, honestly. It's heartbreaking on a personal level, right? I mean, I'm getting older, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I, you know, 
why Nicole Kidman has to look like she's 35 right. or whatever is right. just, it's just, it's awful. And it's not the same for men and women. And then instead of getting improved the women, which it does a little bit, it's getting worse for the men. They, so they have now to right. dye their hair. Can we all just let ourselves right. no, be no, the, defi- you know, right. like it's, it's, it's a problem not only in America, I have to say. Um, we tend to be more critical of the society we live in, and it is a, a youth uh, society, but um, I don't know if it's much better in Israel, to be honest. Yeah, well, the world's just, um, yeah, going in a strange direction. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you use the word, one, one of the things I like asking people is if they consider themselves an artist or if they just use the term photographer, but you all, you've, you know, referred to yourself making artwork many times, I think already as we've been talking. So I think I know the answer, <laughs> but have you, have you ever, has that ever been something that's like you've thought about or you just have always felt comfortable thinking of yourself as an artist? That was a question that I'm struggling with because I think, I actually think when I started, I was a little afraid to go to the, to this place of I'm an artist, but over yeah. the, it's, it's a scary one. And, um, you have all kind of like uh, figures in mind of what is a female artist. Uh, but in the past uh, decade or so, I am very much def- like I am an artist. And I am, I also feel it became with, you know, the digitizing of photography and Instagram and all the social medias and people having really good cameras now on their smartphones and, and posting and taking pictures and there are millions and millions of pictures. I feel that many times what distinguish me is Yes, I'm, you know, more knowledgeable, technically, the work, the lights, all that. But it's, it's a lot of it is saying, I'm an artist. I devote my life to making pictures. And there is something I want to say with those pictures um, that is really, really important um, for me to commit to and for the way that I present myself to the world. So... Um, it's something that I think in my twenties, I, I would be like, yeah, I'm an artist, photographer, whatever. But now 49, I am very much, it's really, it became an important part of, of how I define myself, what I'm committing to and how I present myself. Is, is this, is where you are now, what you thought success would look like when you were younger? Because you're, you're, you're very successful in the ways that I think are important, but, you know, I don't know if you agree with me, but, um, but I'm wondering, you know, do you feel successful and is this, is this what you thought success would look like or did, did you have some totally different idea? Sash, you have such complicated questions. <laughs> complicated questions. Sorry. I forgive you. So- um, <laughs> she always forgives me, by the way. Just, just, I just always say that. You. Say that to the uh, general audience. She always, always forgives me. I love yeah. you. You know that. And she feeds me. Feed you. I'm always yeah. here for you whenever you need me. Teaches me how to make, taught me how to make excellent uh, mint tea. A belly so, dance for you. I did the kululululu. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all, all part of the deal. 
So I forgive you for the success question as well. Um, <laughs> it's a tough one because it really fluctuates. It changes by the day. Some days I feel somewhat successful. Many days I feel like I'm not successful and I get jealous of other artists and really like, you know, the flaws in me and I feel insecure and why don't I have this connection or this much money or blah, blah, blah. And then many times I feel, and it sometimes it happens when I go back to Israel. I mean, I'm here in Manhattan in the middle of the art world that can be really cruel. <laughs> and yeah. I also many times feel, you know, I left my country. I'm away from my family. I am here and I must justify it. I must do very well. Otherwise, it wasn't worthwhile. Many times when I visit Israel, I get the perspective of my life here and I'm like, hey, I might be kind of successful. And then I come back and it goes away. And then many times the success is defined by, you know, my love for my children or having such a supportive family, having Iran always there with our ups and downs and bad and good days. But so then in, in when the good me is there, I'm valuing the right things. And I'm like, this is success. I am managing to you know, work and be a mom and be in a relationship. So, and some days I feel I'm, I'm failing there as well. So it, it depends on when you caught me, what happened and, you know. You know, it's funny. I, I really believe that it's incredibly important to be able to look at things. Let's say you have an argument with a friend. It's really important to be able to, I like to visualize a thing, whether it's an argument or, you know, something I'm working on or whatever. I like to, I do this thing where I try and visualize it and then I try and visualize moving around it. So I'm seeing it from all these different angles mm. so I can best judge it and not just see it from one perspective. But at the same time, I also think that I, you know, I know for me personally, I sometimes I think I'd be better off if I could see myself like find one really good perspective and just stick with it, you know? I feel it's because impossible like, though, Sash. It is, no, it's it is impossible. impossible. And it's like what you were just saying, yeah. like when you're in Israel, you your perspective of your life when you're in Israel is totally different than your perspective of your life when you're here. And it's like, that's a mind game, but it yes, it is really hard to not have that happen. And um, also who we're surrounding ourselves by, we can't be those noble, most of us people, I mean, I compare myself to other people, you know, I, it's enough that I see a child eating a lot of vegetables that I feel like I'm a bad mom, you know, like the stupid right, things no, like that of comparing ourselves. I do want to just say, though, because you said something, you know, earlier about like being jealous of other people, which of course we all are. That's just a part of life. Everyone feels jealous, <laughs> envious, whatever. But I do want to tell the audience because they you know, might not know this, that you also have a lot of good friends who are photographers who you are unbelievably supportive of. I mean, you're one of the most supportive artists I know as far as supporting other artists' work and showing up at openings. And so just, I just want to make that clear because I think it's really important that you actually have real camaraderie and it it is and it it is very important. But again, it doesn't take the jealousy no, art, they can know. coexist. Yeah, it, um, they can actually right. coexist. It's true. Yep. You can be jealous at your 
best friend and I just have to work on myself and get over myself. My God. Well, but you know, the best thing you can be is still be loving and supportive and proud of the person. You, you know, you don't have to be not gel. I mean, right. You know, look, we can, we're all trying to be as enlightened as possible, but it's also important to know that, you know, perfection is not attainable. So, Let me just, I know we could just go on and on. Um, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on, this is something I've decided I want to ask people because whenever I'm talking to Michael Chauvin Dalton, my producer, he and I go down this rabbit hole and we joke about having a separate podcast about this. So I want to end by asking you what your currently, what your favorite food is. Watermelon? Oh, you always love watermelon. I, I can't. But this is the summer. Maybe if you yeah. get me in the winter, it will change. And this answer annoys my daughter so much. Who loves watermelon the most, mom? And then she's I like, love watermelon that's why you're too, so um, skinny. It's always. Yeah, well, that's true. That is why you're so skinny. But, um, um, it's the summer. I think next year and the year after, you'll always get the same answer. If this changes... My photography might change my, you know, goals, <laughs> my definition of myself. If I am not loving watermelon in the summer, <laughs> then we are bad. That's a bad, bad sign. <laughs> okay. So to our audience, if you thought she was going to say something like decidedly Israeli. <laughs> It's very Israeli to eat watermelon. With some tahini. Porto. No, I'm just joking. The, the tahini, by the way, is, is Arabic. We stole it from the Arabic culture, but um, we don't have another three hours to talk about the Israeli, <laughs> Palestinian, Arab. Uh, all, I mean, it's too much. Okay, that's definitely a different podcast, different although podcast. I think it would, it would be very interesting. <laughs> all right, so E, I love you. Thank you so much for talking with me. I love you so much. I love you And, too, um, Sash. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, until next time. Okay. Until thanks, next babe. time. Bye. Okay. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The associate producer is Taylor Selsback, and the executive producer is Sasha Wolf. Our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and rate us with all the stars available on your listening platform. 